there. <laughs> I am SF Rogers, and we're so glad you're here on uh, Authors Chaos. And I am DL Golden. As always, we are not professionals here, but we are trying to give the best advice we can and uh, talking to different authors recently. And today we have on Nicholas Grady. <laughs> and Nicholas, uh, how many books do you have released? Let's start with that question. Um, I've only got one out right now, but I am currently working on a second book, um, which is a follow-up to the first one. The first one is a novel called Under the Bluffs. It's a murder mystery suspense novel uh, that takes place in St. Paul, Minnesota, starting in the early 80s and then later in the early 90s. So it kind of spans... Uh, the intro sort of spans over 1983 to 1993, and then the majority of the story takes place in 1993. Um, and it's a story about um, kidnappings that are happening in the city of St. Paul. Children are disappearing, and this detective for 10 years is trying to figure out who this guy is who's kidnapping these kids, why this is happening, and he, he can't find the bodies anywhere. There's no sign of them. These kids just keep disappearing. And while this is going on, this kidnapper is sending him these letters saying two more are going to disappear. Two more are going to disappear. And he just keeps trying and trying and trying. Finally, 10 years later, um, these two kids, these two kind of young stoner urban explorer kids are exploring a cave in St. Paul. And if you don't know St. Paul, St. Paul has a ton of hidden and abandoned caves that were dug out in the 1800s and 1900s. Um, and so they go into this one cave that nobody's been in for years that they find and they end up finding this body and they report it. And that kind of leads to the investigation starting to gain some ground. And eventually the detective enlists the help of these two kids to find and search more of these caves and try and kind of solve the case. And so the three of them kind of work together to um, catch the catch the culprit and there's some twists and turns along the way that i obviously won't give away um yeah. but uh it, it, most people who've read it so far have really enjoyed it um the reviews on amazon have been really good um i've had people in canada review it and give it five stars so i was like cool i don't know who you are that's awesome i love it when somebody i don't know reviews it so yeah so that's yeah. basically kind of what the the story the story is about um the inspiration for that, I hadn't written anything in a very long time. I used to write a lot when I was younger, and I had several books that I started and never finished. You know, you get 60, mm -hmm. 80 pages into something, and you realize it's garbage, or you just don't like the way it's going, or you just kind of hit writer's block, and you can't finish it. And um, last summer, I actually, uh, not, not as preparation for this book, I just got really into urban exploring last summer. And I spent a lot of time researching and finding where a lot of these hidden caves are in um, the Twin Cities metro area, as well as outside of that, uh, visited some in Red Wing, Minnesota, and some other places as well. And I just got really into it. It was good exercise. I enjoyed finding them. It was kind of like, finding something hidden that nobody's supposed to find and then going in and exploring these things. Um, and that started getting me thinking about what if I ran into some really creepy person in here? What if something was going on? And that kind of, that kind of got the ideas going in my head. And then uh, about seven months ago or so uh, more, more like nine months ago, I started typing up what I thought was going to be a screenplay. And then I realized that I'm not good at writing screenplays. So <laughs> I just started doing what I knew and I started writing a story. I thought it was going to be a short story. It ended up turning into a novel. Um, and then I was like, 
all right, I'm just going to pull the trigger and I'm going to publish this and we're going to see how it goes. Um, and it was really scary to do that, <laughs> but um, it's been fairly well received so far. Um, I've sold 183 copies, which is more than I would have expected. Um, <laughs> not too many this month, but uh, <laughs> I'm getting a lot of Kindle Unlimited pages read. So yeah. That's awesome. Nice. So we're both um, fantasy authors. So it's interesting to talk to somebody who does not write in that genre. Um, We've got four authors amongst us and all of us are writing in the realm of fantasy. fantasy. Right. Whereas yours is sounds more uh, mystery, mystery, realistic fiction type stuff rather than, you know, is that, is that what you're into reading? Like, is that, why you were interested in um like writing a mystery thriller it's type kind of an, it's an interesting thing because this is the first time i've written something that was i mean i've written stuff that has suspense in it before in the past when i was younger um but i've never written like a suspense you know crime thriller type of book um mm-hmm. it was kind of a new thing for me to try out um but i found out that i actually really liked it um and uh you know i've, I've read my share of you know I read a lot of Stephen King when I was a kid, like everybody did. Um, and some of that is more sort of crime thriller stuff. Some of it's more, you know, horror and whatever. But um, so I don't read a ton of like mystery books. Um, but I, a lot of what uh, another inspiration for this was um, my wife and I watch a lot of like true crime documentaries on Netflix. You know, anytime there's a story, a, a unique story, um, we will generally watch that. So that was probably some of the influence from that was watching some of those. And like, I probably pulled some ideas from some of those documentaries that I watched as well. Um, but yeah, so I don't generally read a lot of mystery novels. Um, I tend to read a lot of like, you know, my my favorite authors are people like Jack Kerouac and Charles Bukowski um, and Henry Miller. So completely different from yeah. what I write. Uh, <laughs> they're much more poetic and, you know, um, uh, surreal at times even. And I'm mm-hmm. I, this is just really a straightforward sort of crime thriller story. But it just it just kind of came out of me and it flowed out of me. And the second one, like I said, I'm working on that one now. Um, it'll be. A while before that's done uh but uh uh it's in it's in the process and it will be a sequel to the first book cool so are you sitting so are you like in the first drafts of that sequel then or are you i've, I've gotten through a first draft but it's really rough so i've i've probably gone through it um i probably went through it I think I'm on the second or third time through now of editing it um, and just tweaking things and adding things. And there's still sections I go through and I'm, I'm just kind of checking for spelling and grammar, but I kind of go through it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to change something about that. I'm going to go ahead and have to go back and fix that. Um, Cause I, the thing about writing um, a mystery novel is I have to, believe it before I'm going to ask anybody else yeah. to believe it. Right. So I have to read it and go, is this believable? Do I think this is believable or not? And if it's not believable to me, it's not going to be believable to somebody else. So right. um, uh, the second book's a little, the, the second book's a little wilder than the first one. Um, Cause it deals with um, there's this um, sort of cult that's murdering people Um along the river parkways in Minneapolis. And so in order to make that believable, I've had to do a lot of things to kind of work that through. Not saying something like that hasn't happened. It has, right. but it's, it's, it's tricky to make it believable. Right. Right. I get that. Uh, so in 
in the editing phase, because that's what mm-hmm. you're doing with the second book. I know I'm in that phase right now where I'm like going through and there have been so many moments where I'm like, do I even know how to write? Like, am I, (laughs) do I speak English good enough to convey this? Because there are times where like I've gotten into a flow and I've typed something and I'm like, um, that doesn't make any sense. Have you had that moment where you've like, absolutely. (laughs) Yep. I go through and I find like, sometimes it's just like a really long winded sentence where I'm like, wow, that's a really long run on sentence. And I need to do something with that. And I need to fix that. I need to adjust that. And sometimes it's just little things. I mean, cause what, one of the things for me with, with writing, what I learned with the first book was to just write not worry about what it looked like or whether it's any good, just try and get through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then you can go back and change stuff. And then, and it used to be what used to always stall me out before when I'd be writing something, I'd get 30 pages in and then I'd start editing the heck out of the first 30 pages. And then I wouldn't yeah. go any further. And I, what I learned was don't do that. Just write yeah. it and then worry <laughs> about that later. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of work on the back end, but you're better off. Yeah. Oh, we've talked about that, getting yeah. caught up in edits when you're so many pages in and it gets overwhelming because you're trying to finish the story, but also trying to edit at the same time. Right. right. Yeah. We've had this conversation because it was it was you that was, it was doing me. like one chapter at a time and sending them off and then making the edits. And it was taking you forever to get through. Because... And I just finally looked at like the our group and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to have to finish the story and then go back and edit because I'm not enjoying this at all. Yeah, that <laughs> so, makes sense. So how long has Under the Bluffs been out then? How what was uh, the- It was released on, the digital version was released on April 13th of 2023. And then the paperback, okay. I wasn't planning on doing a paperback. Um, I just wanted to see what happened, but... Um, a lot of people that I knew were like, I want a paperback. I want a signed copy. Can you make a paperback? And I was like, yeah, uh, I can actually do that. So I made the paperback and actually the paperback has sold better than the digital version. I don't know why that is, but apparently more people like to have a physical book in their hands, but, and that's, that's how I am too. But, um, the one thing I learned with the paperbacks when you publish through Amazon is the first couple copies that came out, um, I looked at the formatting on the Amazon website and everything looked great. And I was like, Oh yeah, that looks cool. I'm going to go ahead and uh, publish that. And my, you know, and probably only my friends will buy it. So whatever. And my first friend gets it and she shows it to me and there's like, over an inch on either side of the page. And I'm like, what is this? I'm like, this is not how it looked on the website. Like, what is this? So then I had to go back and fix that really quickly. And the nice thing about Amazon is you can always re-upload a manuscript and republish it and it changes it. So the next version comes out right away if it's just a little tweak like that. And the other thing I realized as a new author was like, oh, I didn't put page numbers in my book. That'd probably be a good thing to do. So stupid little mistakes like that, that I learned. So, um, the next one, I'll, the next one, I'm definitely like, I think I was just so excited about it that I didn't think about it. The next time around, I'm definitely going to be ordering a proof copy and looking carefully through that before I publish anything because, uh, yeah, I mean, only about 10 copies of that version went out before, mm-hmm. um, I was able to fix it. But, um, and then of course you go through and you catch like, even after publishing, 
Um, I was still like, well, I've missed page numbers. I missed, you know, the, the margins weren't wide enough. Did I miss anything else? And then, of course, I went through the entire book, you know, five more times to see if there were any little grammar mistakes or whatever I caught. So the first like week or so it was out, um, there was there's definitely some mistakes, but there's going to be mistakes. You know, I got um, I just got uh, this book. This is from a fellow TikToker, uh, Promised by Allison Thompson, and I've been reading through it and um She's got a few mistakes in there, you know, whatever it's, it's going to happen. Like no matter yeah. what, like even a book that's like been out for 20 years, you'll probably find something that somebody oh, didn't. Right. Catch. So you just have to realize that and be okay with that and realize it's probably not going to be a hundred percent perfect. Yeah. See, and I put, I put origins out. My, my first book origins was published on May 1st <laughs> and I had ordered three draft copies and thought, okay, the, at one point the dedication was, not centered like it was supposed to be and the um, copyright stuff was wrong. And then I'd find indent issues. And so I went back through and I fixed all of that and finally got it published. Well, I opened it the other day because I did uh, that giveaway for my final author proof that I had. And I had one more, uh, I found one indent. I opened to a page and one of the whole paragraphs is not indented on the thing. I'm like, what on earth did I do? Yeah. How many the, times the, I went through it? The thing is, what I've noticed is that the average reader is not going to catch that unless right. that you know, unless they're like my wife is a is a grammar Nazi, so she catches everything. So yeah, um, like she had, um, she was one of the ones that right after the about t- three days after the book had been published, she and I got some proof copies. She started reading through one, and I said, "Look, I'm going to redo it because the margins aren't right." And she was like, going through it, and she's like this, you should change this word to this and this should be this. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh crap, come on. No, so, so that, you know, um, so next time around, she's like, so next time around, you're going to let me do this whole thing before you publish. Right. And I was like, yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, my half sister. Cassie is my editor. And so, okay. she, uh, she's she all of our editors. All of our editors. Yes. <laughs> Think, yeah. Not she doesn't have an editor. She's our editor. <laughs> Maybe she I should hire her. <laughs> and it was just, I, she's like, you've used way too many semicolons here. And I'm like, I swear I know how to use a semicolon, but every single one I use, she's like, that is not how you use a semicolon. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no one's going to notice that, but it does. It bothers me that there's an issue even there anywhere on the page. I'm like, I know it can't be perfect, but some part sure. of you always wants it to be. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's strange, but editors are very, very useful in that sense. Well, and one thing that I found in my own, I sent my first draft, like literally roughest draft to three beta readers and my editor at the same time. And while our half sister has caught things like she's okay, this is grammatically wrong. There have been things that my beta readers are like, Hey, you've repeated this three times. Can we cut two of them out? And I'm like, Oh, thank you so much for catching that. Like I appreciate it. And they, because they're friends of mine, they know, like they know how to word it where it's not going to like, Hey, this sucks. (laughs) So that was one thing that I super found to have different people's eyes on it. Besides yep. just an editor to yeah, where and I did. Yeah. I had a few people go through mine, um, but not everybody caught the same things and yeah. some people miss stuff. But I mean, one of the things that I tend to do that I have to be really careful of is I will, um, I'll use the same word too many times in a paragraph mm-hmm. or even in a chapter or whatever. And I'll repeat myself a lot. And I'll use that, that same word, you know, 
you know, Jim hoped that all would be well, but he wasn't sure. He hoped that he'd find such and such by this time <laughs> and could only hope that blah, blah, blah. And I looked through it later and I'm like, oh, Nick, what are you doing? That's um, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all do that. I mean, that's yeah. that's the way we speak a lot of the time. So when we're writing, we have to catch ourselves and be like, oh, okay, I need to change some of these, the wording up here so that it's not so repetitive and um, stuff like that. So, yeah. One of my readers pointed out that I start a lot of sentences, like dialogue sentences with, oh, and I didn't realize it until she said something and then went back through like one chapter and I was like, yeah, I probably could cut a lot of that out. Like, that's not, that's not good. <laughs> See, I, I have a major problem using the word witch when I'm uh, writing a sentence. It'll be, um, there was a tall tree in the front yard, which housed a swing. And I use that witch all the time and Grammarly does not like it. It hates <laughs> it. And I'm like, it's just, it tends to be the way yep. I speak and it, it comes out wrong. You guys froze for a second there. Hopefully we didn't get disconnected. Oh, can you hear us? Can you still hear us? No, he froze up on us. Oh. Bear with us, guys. There you go. Okay. All okay. right. You're back. Okay. <laughs> you guys froze on me for a second there. Yeah, I was going to say, um, <laughs> I had to, um, one of the things I had to do was in, in, my, in my book, Under the Bluffs, there's a lot of scenes in the book where they're exploring these caves trying to find bodies. And I was using the word tunnel too much and i was like mm-hmm. then they went down this tunnel and they found this and then they went down this tunnel and i so i had to start using like tunnel passage entryway like finding yeah. different words to use so that it wasn't so repetitive um which was tricky to do <laughs> um because i'm like well that's what it is it's a tunnel it's a passage what am I, you know what else am i supposed <laughs> to say so you know definitely uh consulting my thesaurus on that one um right. Sure. Yeah. It always tends to be a dialogue tags for me. It's always said or shouted or, and I'm like, okay, it can't always be that dialogue tag cannot always be the same. It sounds so repetitive. I had to find a website, which gives me a list of dialogue tags that I can swap yep. into places. I'm like, I That's can't. That's something I have to work on too. Yeah. I do side a lot. Oh yeah. She side, he side. And it's like, okay, that's good. Like, that's a good descriptive word, but, like, they can't sigh all of the time. Right. (laughs) You're going to hyperventilate. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, goodness. So how long have you been writing? That was That's one thing that Daniel and I talk about a lot is how long we've kind of written, maybe not been published, but, like, been writing stories. Um, Honestly, like, I probably – the first short story I ever wrote – was in the fourth grade. Um, I wrote this, like, it was on, like, lined paper, and it was just the front and back side, and it was about a werewolf. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was about these kids at school that found out one of their friends was a werewolf, and then they had to kill him with a silver bullet or something like that. Like, that was, like, (laughs) when I was in, like, the fourth grade. Sorry, this this cat here is... Every time I'm on the computer, somebody has to have some attention. So there's Migo. Um, Holy jack. But every time, like during COVID, when I was teaching, I couldn't get the cats and dog away from me. Um, But so, yeah, so fourth grade was probably when I started. And then um, in fifth grade, I like won a writing contest at my school, um, writing some short story that was probably about three, three and a half pages long. And that actually was a mystery because we were told to write a mystery. So that was probably the first mystery I ever wrote. Um, And then from there, I started in high school. I wrote a lot of different things. I wrote a couple of um, short plays um i wrote uh 
that were actually produced through my high school. And I wrote like a lot of like short stories that were, you know, 20, 30 pages in length. A lot mm-hmm. of them were like sci-fi stuff or like horror based stuff. Um, and then from there, I started journaling a lot. Um, I just spent a lot of time journaling almost every single day. And then uh, when I went to China, I did a lot of journaling and my, my, goal at that time was to write a book about my experiences in China when I got back. And I never got further than about 80 pages into that. It just never happened. So maybe someday, who knows? Um, but uh, And then I got really busy with teaching for a while and I didn't write for quite a few years. Um, so this is kind of the first time that I've gotten back into it in probably five or six years. Um, but uh, it's feeling pretty good, you know, to have something out there published, even, even if it's self-published. I mean, it's yeah. a lot harder work as you guys probably know as an indie author doing all of your own promotional stuff can be mm-hmm. exhausting um you know all the you know tiktok seems to be a really good platform for that um mm-hmm. i seem to be getting more um attention from that than anything else um i've definitely noticed that my kindle unlimited pages have increased a lot since i started using tiktok um but uh, I've done some Facebook ads and a couple other things. But uh, yeah, so that, you know, that's the hard part about being an indie author is you're doing everything yourself and it, it can be a lot of work. So luckily I don't have to work uh, like you guys probably until like the middle of August. So, Right. Well, I, I'm out until August as well. And I've been cranking out uh, stuff left and right, trying to get marketing out for Origins. It's just we indie authors are not marketing gurus um generally speaking we can write but once you figure out how to get it out to people that is difficult yeah um, i paid for a few ads on like amazon and stuff but i don't feel like those amazon ads did a whole lot for promoting yeah um, i did the same thing with facebook mm-hmm. and I, I think i sold a copy or two and i reached like 300 people or so but i'm like i probably spent like i don't know total of around a hundred bucks. And I probably sold like five, six copies of the book. And I was like, well, that's not worth it. I mean, if I'm going to spend this kind of money and I'm only going to get this much returned, it's not worth it. I mean, and that we're not in it for the money. We know that we're right, not right. Get rich right. off this or anything like that, but it's nice to have a little income come in. Um, yeah, right. So did you have, did you have someone do your cover art for your book? Did you design that yourself or how'd that go? I designed, I I designed it myself. Um, I tried to, what I wanted to do was upload a, use a photo that I had actually taken um, in while exploring caves. I have hundreds of them, but every time I tried to upload one of those into Amazon, it did not like it and would not use it and or it wasn't the right format or whatever. And I could not get it to work. So what I eventually did was I just, it, you know, said choose from existing photos. And so I typed in caves and this photo came up of uh, this cave right here. Mm-hmm. And then as you open up the book, hold on a second here, I'm kind of trying to flip it open for you here. It's like the full photo of this cave here. And I was like, okay, that works. I can use right. that. Like, I'm going to do that. And then I obviously did the lettering and stuff myself. So I kind of let Amazon help me a little bit with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the next time around, I might try something different. But it was, like I said, I was just trying to get it out there to see what would happen. Because yeah. I'd been already had it finished and been sitting on it for a while. And was a buddy of mine was like, dude, just self-publish through Amazon. My brother did it with like three different children's book and and books and he's got like good reviews and he's made some money and I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. So yeah, there it well, is. <laughs> we, we've all four used the same 
uh, cover author and artist cover artist. That's the word I meant. And I will say that having, having a cover artist was one of the things where someone came to my house and saw DL's book sitting on a end table. And she was Mm. like, okay, there's a dinosaur on the front of that. What is, what is that? And I was like, do you want to borrow it? Go borrow it. Like take it with you. But the cover art for yours, I'd seen you share it on TikTok and stuff. And Mm -hmm. just the cave itself was like, huh, I wonder, wonder what that's about. So cover art to me is very important. Like we're facing my bookshelf and I can see a lot of these covers. I picked the book up because the cover caught my attention. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's, that's that's good to know that I, I it got my attention so I was hoping it would get other people's attention. Yeah. The only the only negative comment there was one person who commented on TikTok and they were like, "I thought it was an egg on some sort of weird grill." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "It is not." And I replied, "I was like, no, it's a cave." It's a cave. <laughs> well, it it looks really really good. It does lend itself to what you've said the book is about, and it sounds really fascinating. You're really good at um explaining what your book's about. I feel like that's something I struggle with. When people ask me, I'm like, uh, <laughs> and so that's, that's part of it, I think, is getting, getting down and saying, okay, I know what my book is and I can explain it to somebody if they ask. And you're right. very, very good at that. So I, I can Thank see you. why you're generating sales through that. <laughs> yeah, I try. I, I mean, I, it's, it's a pretty straightforward story too. So, I mean, that, that helps too. Like I'm not trying to explain, you know, with fantasy, you're talking about an entire universe. You're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, there's this and the, the, there's, you know, this set of magical powers or whatever you happen to be using. So there's a lot more that goes into that where I can be like, Oh, it's, it's a crime story about kidnappings. And you <laughs> yep. know, and- yep. it, when you have, when you have to world build an entire culture it makes that yeah. that makes it really hard to like explain to people that like oh hey so what's this other realm where this magic does this and they're like okay i don't get it <laughs> yeah i'm actually hoping tomorrow uh one of my i was talking to some friends over the the weekend and one of my friends was like her friend my wife doesn't have tiktok but her coworker does and her coworker is like Tell Nick he has to do something a little different. Tell me he has to do something a little different. His videos are good, but they're all kind of, he's kind of doing the yeah. same thing. And I was like, okay, well, what should he do? And so she suggested that I do two things. One, um, I make some videos where I just am at like, so the, the first two children that are kidnapped in the book are kidnapped from this park. And she's like, go to a park, make a video and just talk about the children disappearing and just put a tag about under the bluffs as Amazon, but don't say in my book, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Just go out there and be like, this is where this person disappeared and, and like give like a short story on it, an explanation, and mm-hmm. then let people look it up. And the other thing um, she said to do, she's like, if you can get into a cave and get a signal and do that, that's even better. Um, which I was yeah. like, I can probably do that. Um, so tomorrow I'm going to try, I have the, the, whole day off and I don't have anything to do today. I've got to run some errands, but um, I'm going to probably do that. And then if I can, if I can actually get into one of the caves and can still get a signal on my phone, I might do a live TikTok broadcast from inside of one of the caves, which I thought was, was that's a pretty smart idea. (laughs) Something you don't see very often. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Sure. So we ask this question and we're going to try to ask this question. What's a piece of advice um, that you have gotten that 
you kind of just really stand by, stand behind like your favorite piece of advice? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I think the, the most important piece of advice I got, um, one of the things from one friend that read my first book before I'd had it published, um, she's like, you need better character descriptions. She's like, you don't, I don't really get a, a feel of what they look like. She's like, even if it's just, you know, generic things like hair color, eye color, height, build, stuff like that. You've got to get more. She's like, some of the characters you do it with, some of it you don't. And that resonated with me. And so I went back and I fixed that all in the first manuscript. And then in the second book, I tried to be much more detailed um, with that. Obviously, some of the characters are from the first book, so I didn't have to be as descriptive with them. I could just kind of use a basic description from the previous book, assuming somebody would have read it. Um, But so that was one thing that stuck out. Um, Another thing that... um, a friend of mine, a, an English teacher who had uh, started reading my manuscript, uh, who I work with at for the high school, I was telling him, I was like, look, it's a really rough draft, you know, when I had him start to read it. And he's like, that's fine. And he's like, and I was like, oh, man, I went through it today. And I just, I edited it and I edited it. And then I went back the next day and I caught 10 things I hadn't caught before. And I saw something I didn't like and he fixed it. And he's like, you're never going to be 100% satisfied with what you've written. Just realize that you could look at this book five years from now and still want to edit it and republish it. He's like, you just have to get to a point where you're like, okay, this is good enough. I'm okay with this and then publish it. (laughs) So I thought that was really good advice Um, because he's like, otherwise you're just going to be editing it for the next 10 years. (laughs) He's like, you'll never publish it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, we're coming up on the end here. So where can people yep. find you, Nick? Um, I, I, I am a Nick Grady author on TikTok. Um, I also have a YouTube and Instagram. Uh, YouTube is rider underscore caver. Um, that's mostly about cave exploration as well as motorcycle rides that I do with a motorcycle group that I run. Um, so there's kind of two different playlists there. People who read the book would be more interested in the cave exploration because you'll actually see the caves that inspired the books. Uh, um, and then, um, let me see YouTube. And then there is an under the bluffs, Facebook page as well. Um, so yeah, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, and then uh, obviously the book is available on Amazon. Okay. And we will link all of that in all of our descriptions so that they can find you and get to your book. So, uh, I am SF Rogers. And I am DL Golden. And we are super, super glad that you joined us today. I'm so glad that you guys had me too. It was awesome. This is my first real interview here. So <laughs> good, good. Great, We're I glad think, so. we had you on. Guys, if you would like and subscribe, and uh, if you have any recommendations or questions for us, leave a comment. I'm sure Nick will be uh, tagged in this video too, so he can answer any questions you may have about his book. Thank you guys so much. Bye.